Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring a special section on the 57th New York Film Festival, including Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, Noah Baumbach's Merit Story, and Cornelio Poromboyo's The Whistlers. Support independent, non-profit film journalism today at filmcomment.com. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. I'm Nicholas Rapold, Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment. The new film Bacurau centers upon the residents of a remote Brazilian village who'd gradually discover that they're being hunted by a group of Western tourists. Part class warfare satire, part thriller, the movie gripped audiences at the New York Film Festival and it marks a major achievement by its directors, Claver Mendonça Filho and Giuliano Dornels. In our May-June issue, I reported on the film's premiere at Cannes. The centuries-old iniquities of its rural settings also earn the film a place as another inheritor to the fearless cinematic and socio-political brio of Cinema Novo. In this episode of the Film Comment Podcast, I join assistant editor Devika Girish in a conversation with the filmmakers where we discuss five key scenes from the film. These include the opening scene, which takes us via drone shot and truck drive into the film's remote setting, a psychotropic interlude in which the residents of Bacurau dance the capoeira in preparation for battle, and finally, a climactic action sequence that occurs in a local museum. They also discuss a memorable exchange between Udo Kier, who appears here as an icy, cruel leader of the Western mercenaries, and Brazilian acting legend Sonia Braga, who plays the village matriarch. Listen ahead for details on the making of each scene. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. Uh, this is a special interview edition of the podcast. Uh, we're recording during the New York Film Festival, where Bakurao has just shown to the great delight of many audiences. Uh, just an example of a movie I think that an audience really gets into, and is it's kind of almost like a colon response that starts happening. Um, and we're very fortunate to have uh, the filmmakers here with us, who uh, I will let introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Kleber Mendonça Filho, and I co-wrote and co-directed Bacurau with my good friend who's sitting next to me. That's, uh, I think he's talking about me, Juliano Dornelis, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm Nick Rapold, editor-in-chief of Film Comet, uh, and I'm here with... I'm Devika Girish, I'm the assistant editor at Film Comet, and a Bacurau fan. Very glad to be here. <laughs> It would have been kind of awkward if she wasn't, I guess, but <laughs> I don't need to have both sides in, 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 in this, this edition. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I thought we could just start uh, by talking about uh, some sequences and scenes from the movie and just break it down in terms of, you know, the shooting, the scripting, editing, um, you know, all, all of it, really. And I mean, kind of an easy one to start with just because it's beginning the kind of hovering shot over the truck. You could just talk about the conception of that and how you decided upon that way to, to open. I think it's a classic uh, opening uh, for a film. We we actually begin in outer space, much right. like Carpenter's Starman or The Thing. But once we wrote that scene into this, we, we, we were writing the script and it felt interesting because... Uh, in cinema, particularly uh, commercial, industrial cinema, you usually begin with planet Earth and then you zoom in into California or maybe uh, the East Coast or Europe. 
But this time you zoom into Latin America and South America and Brazil and then the northeast of Brazil. So this was an idea that um, that really appealed to us. And then once we got the the first draft for the for the CGI that they were doing in Paris, uh, I remember when me and Juliano said, "Yeah, it, it feels right. It's it's interesting." We just had to to ask them to make the the dive a little more uh, deep into the northeast because they started uh, only framing Brazil as, and then uh, go deeper, please go deeper and deeper. And and when they when you have the shot where the the camera is kind of hovering behind the the truck going down the road, and I mean, how did you choose that? That's a is that a crane shot from another vehicle behind it or? No, that's actually uh, a drone. And, and the funny thing is, uh, me and Juliana, we are kind of we don't like drone drone shots in 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 films because they have become a kind of. Um, I think you actually had a program about this, or somebody had. We a had program. we had a feature about yeah. drones in documentaries, and they're just over. They've over. They like like you know they've taken over basically. Yeah, it's like uh, in, when in doubt, go for a drone shot. You know, <laughs> uh, and we actually wanted to use a, a helicopter. Yeah, but uh, we didn't have the budget, and of course, uh, we talked to the drone guy, the drone operator, and said, "Can you can you do this?" wrong in a wrong way because we don't want this <laughs> so steady and you know uh can you make something bad with the <laughs> and the can, guy can look shake it a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and the guy look at us uh why <laughs> because the drone operators they're so proud of how uh smooth and uh and unreal and seamless and yeah. dead it is yeah uh, so it, it it was very funny to to actually demand a, <laughs> a, you know a '70s style a shaking a helicopter shot. That's what we wanted, but we ended up getting a kind of a smooth uh, classic uh, uh, aerial shot. In that moment, kind of makes sense because we are uh, just coming from the space. So yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but in other other moments, uh, maybe we sh we need to to have a more yeah, it, shaky image. In fact, that's the only aerial <laughs> shot in the film which could be credited to a drone yeah, in a classic yeah, yeah, in, in the yeah, new modern right. cinema that's sense. All the other drone shots, they are what we call the, the character drone. The drone is a character in the film, not yeah. just a drone drone. Right, know. right. It, it, yeah, it's motivated by it actually being. Um, in fact, there is a, I think the Telehama in, in France this week has an um, interesting article about uh, the use of drones in three films currently on in France. One of them is Bacurau. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Do, you, do you remember what the other two are that they're compared to? Uh, Jessica Forever. Oh, okay. And the other one, I can't remember. I can't remember now. And there was a technical problem with the image of the, the drone uh, oh. because uh, there, there's a point when the sun started to make a reflection on the propellers and the images started to flickery, flicker. Uh, and we had to cut uh, a little earlier than we wanted because we wanted the diving uh, more deep. So, so right. closer to the truck. Yeah, yeah. and if we did this with a helicopter, we <laughs> right, <laughs> we're not having this problem. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's a, it's a terrific sh shot. It just sets this mood of kind of unease and kind of vertigo right from the start.
Yeah, but there is something also about sound because uh, one, well, you're coming from this kind of dreamy, um, trippy, uh, wonderful song from 1969. Oh yeah, the Caetano Veloso song. By yeah. Caetano Veloso, sung by Gal Costa, and then it, it, we just cut to the to the back of the truck, and now we are on the road, and then the sound just comes very uh, abruptly and uh, kind of jarring in a jarring way. It's like the film has begun. Yeah, and is there? We're talking about this. Is there a connection you were drawing to like tropicalismo with that song or to past just political? It's a very interesting question, but ultimately it's really about the song. I mean, it's a great sounding piece of music. And it also, uh, we did not subtitle the song, the, the lyrics. Yeah, because the lyrics are very important. Yeah. The lyrics are about things that are not, cataloged or not identified easily. And then it mentions a flying saucer, and then it mentions a carnival and music and love. And, and an inner city. Oh, and, and yeah. it mentions a, a small villa, a village in the, in the middle of nowhere at night. Yeah. So it, it was just a perfect fit you yeah. know, for the film. Speaking of songs and night, the next scene, um, that I'd love you to break down is the psychotropic sequence. Just think that that's a very interesting interlude. It's setting up the point where the plot shifts pretty dramatically. And, you know, it's shot in an interesting way. And as I said, the music choices are very pointed. So if you could just break down all of that. Well, uh, we actually, I, I, I never thought I would include a, a capoeira sequence in a film of mine, me being Brazilian. Because it usually um, it usually shows up in a lot of films made by non you know made by foreigners in Brazil, so it kind of um, it's kind of a cliche. Uh, but once we well, the first thing is um, the actors were having a great time in between takes, and they were just uh, doing the capoeira thing and just and for fun, for fun and relaxation and preparing yeah. for a new scene and. Uh, and we thought it was wonderful, and we just got the two cameras and, and shot, I wouldn't say documentary style, but we kind of Almost, tried to compose yeah. as much as we could uh, some of the shots and, and the movement and the body. And, uh, and we had no idea what we were going to do with that material until months and months later we were editing the film. And, and then the idea originally, the Night by John Carpenter was opening the film in the script, but it just felt it just felt that it would be better to have Cal Costa's song opening the film and then you get you, you would get this um, clash between a very Brazilian sound and a very kind of CGI wonderful uh, classic uh, industrial Hollywood image which is outer space uh, and then night, we tried night in the capoeira sequence, you know, the, the sounds of the, the bodies and the feet on the ground, they kind of go, they fade. And then night just comes in uh, this ridiculously loud uh, mix. And, and I think we, we like it very much. Yeah, because it's creating that same feeling of uh, contrast between the image and the nature of the, the, the music, the sound of the music. But uh, we, it, I think it's related to our, uh, our desire to have, uh, 
to make a film with a lot of honesty. And when we saw those people, uh, those people spontaneously uh, doing the capoeira as a group, as a, a collective, uh, we just thought that fits in the film. And yeah, let's shot this. And yeah, because I wanted to, to we always wanted to make the, the actors and the, the extras that became actors and those people to have a very natural relationship uh, with the camera and between themselves and that kind of thing uh, uh, helped us a lot. When we were shooting the scene, I also thought that one of the best things in cinema is to see people moving and dancing. And so musicals, I think, are... I, I, I have to do a musical, you know, and, and uh, it would be great, you know, and they're dancing the capoeira and then you put Carpenter and it's such a great... Last night, last night, a Brazilian guy from Bahia uh, uh, just uh, saw the film and uh, came to talk to me about the capoeira scene. And I asked, how was it? And he said, yeah, the, those, those guys can, can, can roll. <laughs> so those guys know about it. It's, it's a very unique style of capoeira, capoeira d'Angola. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he felt represented very well. So we are very proud of it. And you said that you initially didn't know what to do with that footage. And then why did you decide to put it at that point in the film? Uh, it made complete sense. It's uh, it's like a war dance. Uh, we never say it is, but that's what it is. It's it's when the community realizes that they have to do something. You know, Lunga has, I think, yeah. Right after that, Lunga says, "We got to dig a hole." Yeah, and this is historically accurate because capoeira uh, was uh, invented as a training for fighting, but uh, uh, disguised as a dance. So that that's the perfect uh, fit. For Energizer. The yeah, yeah. So yeah. But it's important that it it's never discussed. You know, uh, it is what it is, and and nobody says, well, now we are getting ready for a confrontation. Right. It, right. I think the image is strong enough. Yeah. yeah. So more, get more organic that way, in a way. Um, um, well, actually, kind of jumping off a bit of the idea of the. Um, villagers and the collective together the museum sequence i thought would be another one if you could kind of set that scene and talk about how you um, designed it basically as well that's a tricky uh, element in the script because we we had to uh, we had to show the we had to inform the audience that there is a museum in the community but at the same time we had to hide it we not hide it but we had to discreetly not go into it um, and never discuss it because it had to be done at the right time um, at towards the end of the film so we see uh, Isa's uh, Luciana's character opening the museum early in the morning in the beginning of the film and then she just goes click with the key and we cut to some other scene and the and there you go, there's a museum in, in the village. Um, and then, of course, uh, a few, a few uh, maybe 20 minutes later, uh, a couple of people come into town and, and they are offered, uh, so you came to see the museum? And then they say, what museum? And uh, the, the museum, it's a, pre <laughs> it's a pretty good museum. So, oh, no, uh, no, no, not interested. So, you know, the, the theme of the museum is introduced that way and then finally we go into the museum towards yeah. the end of the film pick up your copy of the new issue of film comment featuring a special section on the 57th new york film festival 
including Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, Pain and Glory and Pedro Almodovar on his literary inspirations, Noah Baumbach's Married Story, Angela Shanalek's I Was at Home But, and Cornelio Poromboyo's The Whistlers. Support independent nonprofit film journalism today at filmcomment.com. I I really want to know also like in the end sequence all the different shots of the museum that you know there's this choreography of shots that builds tension and then you realize how the villagers are not only using the geography the space of the museum but also their history because you see all these newspaper clippings I mean obviously I'm that shot when I saw it in Toronto um and you see the pistols like off the wall and you see the plaque the ghost uh, yeah. the ghost uh, yeah, yeah yeah and uh yeah just wondering how you decided all you know kind of brought together all of those elements i think it came from the desire to make bakurao a, a fundamentally peaceful community i think that was the main the thrust of the of the whole idea for the museum yeah but we 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 have to say something uh, about it uh it the, the the thing with the museum is real uh, many people uh, many places like yes. that uh, have their own museum so we are not just uh, putting in the film like uh, our own own desire and that's it's not it. some fantasy uh, about it, yeah it's real we, we have a, a very a very famous uh, story uh, that really happened happened in bahia with uh, a city that were, uh, has been obliterated by by the government uh, uh how can I say? A geno- it was a genocide yeah. in canudos and uh, that facade that you see in bacurau it's inspired by the museum uh, the historic museum of canudos so yeah um those those kind of things uh really exist in, in, in but in brazil but the yeah but historically it's accurate but for the film uh we really wanted the community to be peaceful but then when when they need to do something uh the, all the weapons of the community are kept in the museum major spoiler here yeah. <laughs> um and 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 we love the idea that um Terry goes in and played by Johnny Mars and and he even he even came up with a suggestion uh, very much uh, taken from uh, uh, Indiana Jones or Raiders of the Lost Ark he 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 takes uh, one of the one of the objects uh, in the museum puts it in his bag as uh, so some kind of a thief and then he goes into the second room and then he realizes almost tom and jerry style uh that all the weapons on the wall are missing major spoiler again so uh yeah that was an idea that we really loved uh and in in my mind as a, as a man as a citizen i think uh, firearms and weapons should be kept in museums you know for reference not to be most used. most most of most of them destroyed and a few just for historic reasons put in the museum. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this one I'm really dying to know because I still haven't figured out what it means. Oops. Uh <laughs> it's good. good yeah, in a good way it's good to have, you know, a lot lot of things to ponder over, but um when Udo Kier's character meets Sonia Braga's character and it's like these two major actors and also big personalities in the film and it's such a weird strange standoff over this dinner spread and i just yeah what lunch please explain it to me because i <laughs> i'm i still haven't figured it out it's the the moment that uh the it's a peaceful village uh, it was a uh, just a gesture of peace uh, a white flag 
but they off uh, she she wanted to do something more yeah she offered a uh, lunch uh, so the best it, food they had yeah the best food they had and and with american music but she doesn't care if it's a uh, because Spandau Ballet is a British uh, band, uh, but uh, she thinks it's American. But it's like it's like with us because uh, most of people uh, outside Brazil uh, always ask me if I if I can talk Spanish, but uh, we talk Portuguese in Brazil, so it's it's like the same situation. I still can't tell the difference between an American and a British accent. It's you know it. It's all just well, white and Western to them. <laughs> yeah, and the, in the, it was a beautiful opportunity to have those two legends confronting uh, in the same. It, uh, it's a very beautiful idea to have those. But it's yeah. also very, uh, I think it's beautiful because um, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm particularly in love with uh, Udo's character, Michael. You know, he's, of course, he's a classic uh, villain. But he seems to show some signs of um, some signs of um, he seems to be interesting because he meets uh, Sonia's character in that confrontation and he seems to be intrigued by her. And of course, it's it's Sonia Braga. I mean, you're supposed to be intrigued by somebody like Sonia. So uh, I like the way the scene um, plays out, and uh, in fact, it took a quite a long time to get it right in the editing because we had to find the right time for the scene in the beginning it was too fast and then you didn't it just felt like what 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 was that about yeah, now it's yeah. like uh, it seems to have the right time even if it's still a little strange and it's on the the very beginning of the idea of making Bakurao, uh the michael's uh, udo's character uh, just uh, finding uh, that woman very interesting because the film uh, started we started to talk about this film when we saw some documentaries that treat uh, uh faraway places people like simple people but uh, there there's no such thing uh, we believe that uh, and uh he finds her very interesting lady intriguing yeah. intriguing yeah and that's that's good for us was that scene totally scripted or the, did the actors improvise at all it was totally scripted and the actors improvised everything yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know you have to explain that <laughs> well the whole situation was 100% scripted but all the pauses and silences and and Udo actually came up with a line that I'm still not sure what it's about but i love i love it and i think juliano loves it too of course I'd you love can it. do many things with a knife <laughs> uh okay we'll do uh, we can do it let's try <laughs> and it's in the film you we can you can do many things with a knife i mean <laughs> it's very kind of um sexual maybe uh it's kind of sick uh, all right yeah. it, it fits the character you know i, I just want to jump in because I'm casting um, Udo Kier. It's, he just, it's just interesting because it bridges. He always bridges like a couple of worlds, you know, because yes. he has part of this history that's a bit in like European art, art very scene, European, very, yes. very European. But he also like, especially in the past like ten years, gotten this pulpy side that people love, kind of reveling yes. in. Yeah. yeah, it's an amazing presence. I mean, uh, in fact, uh, going back to the sh the first day of shooting Aquarius, and I looked through the viewfinder, uh, and I saw Sonia in the viewfinder. And I, I actually looked at Julian and I said, this is, I'm, I think now I get it. I mean, 
what a face. I mean, what a... Yeah. And then with Udo, again, the same feeling, you know, it's a face. I mean, I mean, we can all be, or somebody can be very interesting in a film because of his or her charisma, talent, whatever, but then few people have this face thing. It's something about the design of the face. Yeah. And, and but I also like that you don't, you don't draw too much on his sense of irony that, that, you know, it doesn't go too far, you know, to remove you because you still, you still really get invested in what's happening. Mm -hmm. So, cause it's, he's interesting because he has this like almost, you know, uh, sort of horrific remove, you know, and I don't know, that's kind of like a good way of describing capitalism, you know, just like yeah. this remove from the actual reality of things, even though you have such a control over it. So I thought it was perfect for that whole yeah, we get some questions um, in Q and A's, and even um, also critics and journalists about his apparent descent into madness. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I, for me, it's so easy to accept that any human being can, you know, go insane uh, depending on the situation. And people can be very unpredictable, and his actions become unpredictable, and and I love it. And but I can't explain it. I mean, right, yeah. it's all about the human spirit. Okay, another um, another scene that we wanted to talk about was when the villagers are all gathered and watching Picote's kill list clip yeah. in this projected screen. Um, and yeah, I'm just wondering what that is referencing and what is the what is the point of them sort of gathering and watching this at that moment. I think uh, the community started to feel a, uh, a, a little afraid and threat, and they just used that that video to, you know, to feel a little uh, better because uh, they have Pacotti. Pacotti knows how to deal with violence, and maybe to uh, he knows how to protect us. And started like this, and but but it's also uh, an, a very common image on YouTube. You you can see many videos uh, like that about uh, top ten killings top in 10 supermarkets. Killings. Yeah, top yeah. ten killings on the road. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's good because uh, it's interesting because uh, Pacote uh, just wanted to quit this 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 previous life. The reluctant yeah. uh, killer. Yeah. yeah. And in this very important moment that he comes with the two dead bodies uh, of Flavio and Maciel back to Bacurau, he just uh, uh, see his image shooting people. And yeah, I think for, for Pacotti's character, it was a very important moment. And of course, he introduces Lunga and some outfit kid, so yeah. <laughs> It's interesting because it's a counterpart to the game that the Westerners are playing. I mean, you know, they're on this video game-esque mission of assassination and killing. And then, you know, Pacote's kills are also, have also become a similar, like they've been gamified in the same way on YouTube. And so it which, makes it really morally... Which he hates. He says, right. turn that yeah. shit off. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, I have to say that of course, Brazil is a violent country, and, and, and the Sertão can be a very violent environment. Uh, uh, sometimes um, uh, people are paid to kill other people, execution style, uh, disagreements over money, or sometimes the end of a marriage. Uh, so it happens a lot. The with, uh, passional crimes. What we call crimes of passion, yeah. you know. 
where a woman is killed or uh, the husband is killed by the woman who paid somebody to. So Pacote would be one of these uh, hired uh, these uh, hired guns, yeah, which is a classic Western uh, thing. If I could just pull back a bit, I wanted to ask generally, um, because just the time frame that the, the movie was made over those couple of years, obviously a lot has been happening in Brazil. And so I'm wondering the kind of feeling of, of resistance is that, you know, this village as a site of resistance. How did, I mean, how did you feel about that? You know, as those years, that, that kind of year went by, was it, did it feel even more intense for you after a while or, you know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. Uh, it, it was very surprising to see many similarities just, and th those similarities just keep happening again and again. And we have the example of the the National Museum, but we are at the uh, we are at the, the the phase of the editing on the film. But and then a few days ago, a girl named Agatha Felix was shot, uh, accidentally shot by the police. But she's a black girl, eight year old girl. And in a poor community, in, yeah, in a poor community. So yes, uh, yeah. The, I don't know what to say about this. Uh, it's just uh, surprising, but at the same time, we we did all those things about the film. Uh, we wrote the script, observing the world and uh, discussing this and reading a lot of things. Uh, yeah, did we, did it affect anything in your when you were editing? Like, did you want to intensify things or, or take I, things? Of I course, think a yeah. A couple of ideas came up yeah. uh, during the editing stage. For example, the the names of the dead um, towards the end of the film. Oh, wow. um, this is something that we discussed a lot yeah. because we use uh, some real names of people. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Uh, killed by basically by Historical by Brazil as a as a very violent uh, political nation. Um, there is a, a very strong reference to uh, Jean Pedro Teixeira. He's the main character in Eduardo Coutinho's uh, 20 Years Later, Cabra Marcado para Morrer. Okay. For me, yeah. it's one of my favorite Brazilian films ever. And it's, um, it's the basis of Neighboring Sounds. Uh, completely okay. different films. Now, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. And um, he's mentioned in the film, and that has generated a lot of um, emotion in some people because his name is a very strong name, and he he was assassinated in 1964 just during the coup d'état. And at the same time, this is not only this uh, because uh, we are going to a moment in the film that the film became a war film, and a list of names uh, is very increases that this this idea of a war film so yeah we were just in france uh, last week uh, with uh, bacurau and um, and there are many uh, war monuments in, in france with yeah. many many names names named oh yeah and i pointed that out to julian's yeah. war yeah and, uh, and and we also discussed that yes um, my main concern i love the idea but my main concern that it would be too much of a pamphlet but in fact, yeah. I think it's beautiful because uh, with the passing of time, somebody will discover this film, hopefully mm. in some cinematheque in the future. Mm -hmm. And they'll listen yeah. to those names and say, hmm, maybe I should look them up and and uncover a whole uh, yeah. history of, of the country through those names. So much of the film also seems to be about memorialization and, yeah. you know, select histories are selectively preserved, um, you know, by those in power and that's I, I thought that was the significance of the museum and now that you're bringing that real world um you know the burning down of the museum is, was so tragic because that's 
those are just histories lost forever and um and and yeah so that that makes a lot of sense to me from from that point of view also the film itself at becoming some kind of artifact yeah which was also it was never thought i mean it was never thought to be it was never planned that way but i we we love the the fact that they have to dig a hole and there is a whole um, world of history under the their feet which you can never really see during the film but then towards the end of the film you realize that there is a uh, stairs and uh, some kind of gate and probably some underground um, where they which keep we never things. see i mean spectators you never, see, never see but you know so it's significant there too. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We can sort of wrap it up there, but I'm curious. I, I know you guys probably hate this question, but are you are you have another thing and ready to get in motion or anything you can tell us about another story you're going to film? Or it's too early. Too I early. Think. Okay. Uh, I have I have uh, another feature film that I'm oh, great. in the post production that I okay. shot before Bacurau. So oh, okay. I need okay. to. How can I say? Go back to it. Uh, just look at him again and mm. get to know see. him again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I have to get it's, out of Bacurau. And, uh, yeah, uh, yes, of course. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. very happy. We're traveling yeah. all over. And uh, yeah. it's been an amazing five months since Cannes. Uh, and what yeah. we discussed here, uh, uh, my my desire was to continue for more two hours because oh, yeah, I have a sure. lot of a lot of things to say about... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Because it's like when you see a film uh, made in United States or made in, in China, uh, mm-hmm. you start to understand... Uh, that place, uh, that country's culture, mm-hmm. and yeah. there are many details in in our film that you you, you understand uh, our country. So this is a beautiful yeah. thing that I want to, always to yeah. to explain to people because yeah. that's my relationship. Because I know, uh, for example, United States a lot because of the film. So right. yeah, <laughs> something very yeah. The world isn't given much choice. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that we were just talking before about we were wondering how the different audiences, you know like an audience in Brazil is probably catching things that we're not catching. Um, yeah, but it's like it's like that for any um, for any uh, film coming from any other country. Yeah, yeah that's true. I yeah. remember when I saw Raising Arizona in the 80s, okay. uh, I couldn't really understand most of the uh, super heavy accent from... Uh, yeah, yeah. But I loved the film because yeah, it was yeah. so funny and so crazy. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, in that's a how it works. Way, uh, it looks very authentic. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's kind of yeah, over the top. Maybe there's always an over the top kind of. You got a panty in your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is completely self indulgent, but I was wondering if you know if either of you have read you know film comment in, in the past. If you remember like an early cover that you saw, you know, anything that sticks in the mind. I remember the co- um, I remember the cover of uh, is it the kid by the Dahden. Uh, Yes, uh huh. Yeah, kid with the bike with the, the red, ki- red, the, red, uh, red. The, uh, I can't remember the title in French. Uh, the kid, I think. Uh, L'enfant, the or the which one is? Uh, is it, no, it's not L'enfant. It's the one with the bike. The one with the bike. Yeah, yeah. it's a kid with like a, re- a red and a white racing stripe on him. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's a cover that I rem- that I remember very well, yeah. and maybe something with Verhoeven, uh, oh. Showgirls. Um, I th- no, Basic I'm Instinct. Sure. Basic Instinct, yeah. I think we had. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we also had a Femme Fatale cover, which I always think is Verhoeven, but it's Femme Fatale. I'm a collector of magazines, but I don't know. They are they are disappearing. It's very yeah. sad. 
Yeah. yeah. We'll try to put a stop to that. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for taking the time and have a wonderful trip back and wonderful time in London. It was a great pleasure. Thank, thank you. you so much. It thank was you. very funny to <laughs> talk to you. Okay. <laughs> Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring a special section on the 57th New York Film Festival, including Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, Noah Baumbach's Married Story, and Cornelio Poromboyo's The Whistlers. Support independent, non-profit film journalism today at filmcomment.com. You've been listening to the Film Comment podcast with music by Greg Einge. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comment. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle.